One listener that stands out that I worked with recently was this older couple that was interested in refinancing. You know, their credit wasn't the best. Not everybody has the 780 credit scores and never had any hardships in their life. I'll walk you through what you have to do. How can you end up being able to do this refinance, whether it's two, three, six months from now? We worked with them for months and months to improve their credit, and we were able to get the loan done. We were saving them hundreds each month, thousands of dollars a year, and they could start saving money each month, saving for retirement, which just put a huge smile on my face. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and we are actually, we're we're almost always live, but we're live on location. We're live on location at Lead the City here in our city of Chicago, Compassion Baptist Church. We actually have a group of speakers from across the country that are really coming to talk about, um, you know, urban ministry, urban church planting, urban revitalization, and more. And we're super excited to be able to broadcast live from here. I, I do want to warn you, though, we may you may hear music in the background. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but super thankful for Pastor Watson Jones. I'm actually in his office, connected to his interwebs to make this happen. But Lead the City is leadthecity.org. There's all kinds of resources there. Uh, we just heard from D.A. Horton and Susie uh, Gamez just spoke this morning. Charlie Dates last night. Some of you in the Chicagoland area know Charlie, uh, Pastor Derek Puckett speaking, uh, Erica Rivera, excuse me, um, and Eric Mason. So Eric Mason is a, gosh, we were just talking a few minutes ago. We're kind of old friends. They keep being old, um, but we're kind of old friends. And Eric's one of the speakers, and he'll speak right after we have our conversation today. Let me tell you about Eric. Uh, Other than uh, the fact that I appreciate him as a brother and a friend, He's a founder, he's the founder and senior pastor of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia. He's also the founder and president of of Thriving, which is an urban ministry organization committed to training leaders for ministry in cities locally, nationally, and internationally. So, and he's been engaged in urban ministry work, speaking on topic. He's the author of several books, uh, Manhood Restored, Beat God to the Punch, Unleashed, Woke Church, and Urban Apologetics. And we're going to talk specifically about urban apologetics. We actually have some copies, uh, five copies of the book to give away. Not like It's not like a book giveaway, but with your incredible, insightful calls, I will follow your call with, hey, let's give you a copy of Eric Mason's uh, new book. So we're super excited to have you here, Eric, and to have you in town. You know, do, do, Glad to, to be here. To, so to Philadelphia people, like, do you think Chicago is like a great destination? Or But you live in a great city already. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's, but you like Chicago. It's love. It's love. Okay, good. Now when it comes to the baseball teams, it'd be something different. Yeah, okay, right? whole different feel. Whole different feel. I get that. All right, I get that. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, urban apologetics. Yes. And let's define both of those terms to start. Because um, apologetics, I mean, I think most people, but not everybody, would. What what is apologetics, yeah. and how does urban apologetics fit into that? Yeah, I mean, so when you talk about apologetics, you got to come a little closer. Just yep, stay no there. problem. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, when you when it comes to apologetics, for the most part, it's really giving a reasonable defense for the faith, um, whether historical, biblical, uh, you know, the, you know, a defense for the faith. Answers, right? First uh, Peter three fifteen, Jude three. 
Urban apologetics is a contextualized form of apologetics. Uh, we would say it's kind of been a, um, I would say a street term for decades that uh, has made its way in the mainstream. Of course, uh, my brother Chris Brooks wrote the first book. Chris on. Brooks from Moody Radio. Yeah. Yep. Represent. Uh, yep, that's my brother wrote the first book on urban apologetics. And then um, we uh, wrote a, a book on it as well. And so when we talk about urban apologetics, we're talking about contextualized uh, apologetics that deal with the unique issues uh, that ethnic minorities have to answer as it relates uh, to questions about the faith. So when you, when you um, look at general apologetics, um, how it's contextualized is usually um, by those who are leading it. So if it's India, if it, if you have a you know person from India or a person from you know Africa or a person from Europe, which is mostly Europeans that lead the urban apologetics movements, they're answering questions that rise up in their culture. Some you know whether it's cosmological questions, whether it's the whole oneness, whether we're talking about tra tra trajectory hermeneutics, whatever we're talking. But you have gone theologically deep very very quickly <laughs> we need to define so contextualization mm -hmm. is taking into account the context yeah. to make the defense or description Absolutely. of the gospel mm -hmm. so then historically mm -hmm. apologetics has been more in a european context where yeah. they're addressing you mentioned cosmology how we understand the world yeah, or yeah, yeah. there's all kinds of different arguments mm -hmm. that are there mm -hmm. but the questions are different yeah. in an urban context yeah it's very very different and so when you have a nation of islam that has a different cosmology they're going to talk about, you know, uh, Yaqub in the Bible uh, was is the devil, and he split the genes of black people to make white people. That's a different cosmology. That's a different conversation to even start <laughs> you, with. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, a you, different context, so different contextualization. Absolutely. Okay, so well, cosmology, have, understanding of the world, mm -hmm. context, understanding the context. Okay? Yeah, and so a lot of them are ethnic identity questions yeah. be, because of what's happened between blacks and whites in Western Christianity for the last uh, 400 years. And those questions... It, with the, with Christianity sort of being weaved in it in the minds of blacks and Latinos, brown, blacks and brown people, particularly I'm talking about black people, for many, um, there's a confusion about what Christianity actually is. Actually, I'm doing a message on that today nice. about Western Christianity versus biblical Christianity. And so when we talk about urban apologetics, we're answering those questions, those intellectual, emotional, spiritual contextual questions that are unique to the African-American experience. Okay. And, of course, we have listeners who are African-American. Um, and actually, according to research we've done, Moody listeners are uh, have a higher percentage of being yeah. African-American. than. Mm -hmm. And part of that mm -hmm. may be because of where, you know, like we have our flagship stations in Chicago, yeah. Cleveland, Detroit. You know, yeah. many listen on K-Wave yeah. in L.A. Um, so that's going to be – but so why would – People who are not African American, I'm not African American, cool. you are African American. Cool. So, why would I want to learn some about urban apologetics in the African American context? Yeah, so I, I think that, um, like any form of missiology, like it, at, at the end of the missiology day, missiology is the study of missions to yeah. engage culture. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, when we look at the church engaging people, if, if we're an engager of people um, in our context, particularly the African diaspora, which is black people globally they've been hitting us up about this happening globally i've had white brothers and sisters talk to me about the fact hey we had a black guy at our church and he ended up saying he was an israelite and mm. he started asking me all kinds of questions that we didn't understand and the book helped me to understand how to uniquely minister uh to my african-american parishioner or friend um, and then other people, other whites are saying, particularly those who are in the multi-ethnic movement, 
uh, they're using it as a book to say, man, these are some, these are helping with some barriers that we've had to loving black people well within the sphere of what we're doing as it pertains to multi-ethnic church and parachurch ministry. And so this helps us to just be good stewards of the gospel like we would anybody else. I think that, to, you know, the whole idea of why should I, why do I need this? Um, if you believe in the Great Commission, it's a part of our responsibility to be able to talk to everyone in, my, in our sphere who we come across to be able to communicate a clear gospel message to them and deal with those things that are barriers to the gospel. So uh, some people might ask, well, I mean, aren't white people, black people, brown people, Latinos, Asians, aren't they all, um, they need the same gospel. Right. So why do I need a different approach to apologetics if we need the same gospel? Good question. So we only get asked that question in America. We never ask that question. If Wycliffe Bible Translators is going to an unreached people group to translate a Bible and to communicate the gospel, someone goes to the 1040 window. We know the gospel is the same. However, there's vernacular communication, uh, cultural cues. I mean, I'll give you an example. Hope it doesn't get too crazy. So if I say, man, that's a big trunk. That can mean tree trunk, car trunk, or another trunk, right? And so those type of terms cross ethnically do the same thing in relation to human communication. And so I think that there's an assumption in America that uh, it's our cultural and that our culturalism is usually connected to our white brothers and sisters, many of them not seeing that they have a culture and that other people, there are multiple there are multiplicity of cultures in america and we all have different languages i mean even among white people i mean if you go among the polish white people in philadelphia and you go among italian white people in philadelphia you try to you go to one of them and try to act like they're not different they will have a field they will correct you very quickly they're different (laughs) cultural contexts (laughs) yeah and so um and so there's a different tradition there in in communication how family celebrates is totally different all those different things and so what does that have to do with the gospel everything because the gospel speak is is, speaks into context it doesn't just drop in the to a context i become all things to all men in order that by all means I may win some. And those all means don't mean anything we want to do. Right. It means that which is allowable by God's word that's redeemable to be able to develop common ground with lost people. Common ground being, man, I'm able to have relational contact and connection with this person in order to properly engage them with the gospel, saying what God says from his word, but in their language so they hear it like God meant it to be heard. Okay, so, and you mentioned Paul, so yes. we know Paul in Pisidian Antioch, is that yes. Acts 13? Yeah. He starts, he's preaching Jewish people, so yeah. he goes to Jewish history. Mm-hmm. Acts 14, I think Lystra, he talks about he these pagans, he starts with nature. He starts with different place. And then yeah. Acts 17, he starts with Epicurean and Stoic philosophers and poets. Mm-hmm. So there are different starting places. Yes. And the starting place in the urban context is different then, correct? Yeah, you're trying to find the narrative. You're yeah. trying to find a way to get to show them that God's narrative is in your culture already. We just need to show you that God was trying to point you to him, not to your ancestors or something else.
Okay, helpful. <laughs> okay, good. So, um, so then you, I want to go a little history too, because I want to make sure that we get a little your background, because it does tie into this. But I want to invite people to call in as well. Our number is 877 548 3675. I want to invite your calls. We're talking about urban apologetics. We're talking with Eric Mason, founder and senior pastor of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia. Again, our number is 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. So I'm a missiologist. We've yeah. known each other in these roles for a long time. Yeah. So this I love talking about engaging different cultural contexts. Just mm-hmm. like we'd want to engage the Ebon in Absolutely. Malaysia, the Quechua in the highlands of Peru. I want to learn what it means to engage in an urban context. So talk to us because I mean one of the key themes in the book is identity and you know the relationship of identity to the black church and mm-hmm. identity to African Americans. Yeah. Talk to us a little about how important is identity in the black church. Yeah, so I think because um, I, I think fundamentally, I took a class in um, undergrad, and we read a book called because I, I was in um, I was a psychology major, and I took a class, and we had a book that we had to read called "Search for Significance." It is a classic psychological work, and it's basically fundamentally talking about people's desire to understand significance. And so, Carl Ellis, and this, and <clears throat> it talks about three things that everybody wants but that's really systemic to african americans because of the way we have been socialized in the western hemisphere significance dignity and identity mm-hmm. significance you know uh what's what, what what am i here for dignity what's my value identity who am i and so answering those questions are what he calls core cultural concerns when you look in the bible Jesus is doing the same thing, mm. significance, dignity, and identity. I'm going to talk about that later on today. Yeah. When, in, in, in Matthew 11, when he talks to the people about coming to him, he's answering those core cultural concerns. When Paul is in Acts, he's answering those core cultural concerns. So how does that relate to black people? Because of the racism and injustices historically in this country, no matter where you land on it, it happens and it still exists whether you believe it's systemic or whether you believe, I, I don't want to argue that right now, but it exists and the effects of it, of it is clear. So whether we, we can argue about the semantics of it, but there are effects of it. We feel the effects. If you do any kind of missionary work among African-American people, you, you have to deal with the reality of injustice and racism. The effects that we've seen that it's had sociologically on, on, on African-Americans is when you t- our language was taken. We don't know whether we're from Sierra Leone, Ghana, Ivory Coast, uh, Angola. You know, uh, we, 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 we just don't know where we're from. We don't know what cultural background we came from, what language we had, what were some of our traditions. And so what happens is, is over the years, it's been not removed based on choice of migration. It was forced out. And now because that was forced out, it affects the psychology of the way God made people. God made ancient boundaries for people to uh, adhere to based on Acts 17. He talks about how God has appointed people for certain places at certain times. Slavery was a disruption of God's appointed boundaries for where he located people to be born for them to hear the gospel. And so, and we can say that it was providence that God brought all of that. But at the end of the day, it's significant in the African-American community because there is there has been a 250-year search for who am I. That's why you have so many African-Americans that are in there. And we'll talk about, I know we'll talk about some of these yeah. Egyptian spirituality. Right. Uh, uh, Western, uh, 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 West African spirituality, like Yoruba spirituality, Hebrew Israelites, black atheism, 
uh, of the things that the book talks about. It's it's a plethora of different mechanisms that are being, and fundamentally all of those things have, whether nation of Islam, 5% nation of Islam, all of, even Islam, all of those things have in common the way it's used by blacks is, is, is fundamental human identity. Really it uh, questions that God answers in the gospel. So, uh, and so we have to figure out and how, and get more skilled at answering people's gospel questions uh, with finding out what their need is and then engaging it through God, Jesus's mechanism to help them to come from spiritual death to spiritual life. And for those who are Christians, for them to be stabilized in the faith in many ways. Yeah. So, so and that often apologetics does both of those things. Yeah. It becomes a stabilizing in the faith mm-hmm. for many, but also engaging people who don't know the Lord as well. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to continue our conversation. We'll invite your calls as well. Remember, our phone number is 877-548-3675, 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. Here with Eric Mason. We're going to continue our conversation on urban with urban apologetics about urban apologetics with your calls eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Hey, Ed Stetzer here, Ed Stetzer Live. I guess I didn't really introduce myself. I'll say I'm Ed Stetzer. I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center and uh, have the privilege of being your host, um, your host here at Ed Stetzer Live, and to bring you fascinating guests and fascinating conversations, and that's what we're doing here today. We're talking about urban apologetics, particularly, but not exclusively, in the African-American context. Uh, Brand-new book out from Zondervan. It actually looks great, too. I mean, it's it's not just a... um, not just you've written lots of books. You're you're a published author, but you also brought in expert contributors. Lots yeah. of lots of friends. Uh, we of course Doug Logan, uh, Vince Bantu. I mean, just just great. Jerome Gay, Tiffany Gill, and again, it's um, you know you 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 write about the book. You say there are Facebook groups, personal pages, YouTube channels on this topic. While they're helpful tools, I cannot take the place of an in-depth treatment that this book seeks to provide. So it's by Sonderman. It's brand new. So it's yeah. out in April mm-hmm. or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle of a pandemic. Great time to publish a book. Great time to publish. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the good thing is people are reading. They so that's, are. That's, they a, are. that's a plus. And, they sure are. Um, so again, so we're talking about urban apologetics. Inviting your calls, 877-548-3675. Uh, let's, actually, George from Chicago has a question I think relates to our conversation Come pretty on, easily. George. George, you're on the air. Go for it. Yeah, this is George. Yeah, go ahead, George. Go with your question or comment. Yeah, hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I really do appreciate and really appreciate this conversation. It's a wonderful conversation. Um, my question is this. Um, I'm from Chicago, and, you know, I'm actually a counselor, so I deal with a lot of people that are coming out of jail, and, you know, I really try to help them. And one of the things that they have been indoctrinated to, especially coming out of jail, and we have to deal with this in a, a great way, unfortunately, in an urban setting, but they've been into, they've been, they, they might have grown up Christian, but then they go in jail and they get introduced to the Quran and they come out with real strong Islamic beliefs, uh, Muslim beliefs, and they look at the Bible as, um, uh, the Christianity is white man's religion. They look at the Bible yeah. as written by white men. So how do you address those types of issues? Good question. Well, let me let me give him a copy of the book. It's a I mean, it's right where you're writing yeah. as well. So, George, if you'll stay in the line, my producer will come in the line, give you a copy of Urban Apologetics from Eric Mason. But this is the heart of yeah, the book. This is so the heart of the book. And a lot of people maybe not be aware. 
I mean, he's dealing with this regularly. People Regular. coming out influenced yeah. by Islam yeah. or Nation of Islam, which is not yeah. quite Islam. But good. First off, thank you for your work, sir, um, and what you're doing. Uh, going to going to just imagine going to prison is like going to a retreat, a long retreat. And even when we go on a short retreat, the way we're intensely connected is just different when you come back from the retreat. So that connection to Islam is going to be deeper than just answering those questions. But um, Christianity is impossible to be the white man's religion because it started in the Middle East among olive complected people and went into North Africa, thrived in North Africa for a thousand years. You know, our church fathers, you know, Athanasius, Irenaeus, uh, Tertullian, Origen, uh, th- th- Augustine, are, the Augustine yeah. they, they may not have been dark skin, uh, 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 you know, my complexion, black people, but they were Africans and they were uh, darker skinned people. Um, we know that um, Athanasius is said that he's called nickname was the, the, the black dwarf. And so um, when we look at that reality, what, somebody would say, well, why does color matter? It's because history has been colored generically white as the universal solvent of human color. And so when we have that happening, there is a sense when there's dignity destruction amongst the people and they're pressed with all of the most important people in history being white, whether it's Jesus being white, um, whether it's Paul being white, even though he was mistaken as an Egyptian in the latter books of Acts, you know, those type of things. And so I, th- I think that when we, really, to be honest, uh, you have to find the white people in the Bible because the Bible is mostly people of color. And that's not a diss to white people. It's just saying that that's such a misnomer and a mis indoctrination uh, through iconography that has. Okay, iconography is the this. depiction. Yeah. So iconography takes off by the time Christianity is more established in Europe. Mm-hmm. So people start mm-hmm. making icons, mm-hmm. paintings, or picture, mm-hmm. pictorial depictions of Jesus or the disciples, and they look like them they yeah. you know romans made them look like romans yep. as yep. well so uh we had derwin gray recently on the program while he was on he was wearing his athanasius shirt yeah, which has you know, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and so uh <laughs> is it jerome makes those shirts yeah jerome makes I those didn't know that yeah. those are great shirts yeah. i love that uh that called um the black dwarf yeah. he's often called it mm-hmm. well okay so so there are challenges in the african-american context sharing the gospel Yet, at the same time, African-Americans have the highest correlation with uh, evangelical beliefs, beliefs in conversion. Yeah. The black church is robust in many places. So so what's going on? Help us understand a little bit what's going on in the great. black church. Uh, you're giving away my sermon. So what's happening? Come on. Well, this is great. Oh, by the way, let me tell people that we'll put a link. You're going to preach your sermon in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they will be up at the Compassion Baptist Church uh, website so people can actually see your message. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this live, you can't see it right away. But Will, Karen, our producer, amazing producer, will link to that after they're up. So people come back to this later, they can listen. I think the same thing that's going on with blacks is going on with all young people, particularly that grew up in the church. And that's this thing called deconstruction. I know you've heard that term. For sure. Deconstruction is the evaluation of your core beliefs. Do I really believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do I believe that the Bible is infallible and God inspired. Do I really believe that sex outside of marriage is harmful? Do, where do I stand on LGBTQ issues? In other words, there is this, this deconstruction. And a lot of times there's good deconstruction and there's bad deconstruction. You know, a good deconstruction is for the purpose of, I think good doubt helps you to solidify your faith. Hmm. 
bad doubt that's fueled with foolish information can deeply impact your ability to be stabilized in the faith or even be a Christian. Barnard, them did, Barnard they did a study, and they said among millennials, three they, they, they spend 3,000 hours a year on media that has nothing to do with in reinforcing their beliefs but pulling them away from it, hmm. but only 150 hours a year on stuff that's solid content. Wow. So if you eaten 3000 hours <laughs> of, <laughs> of that type of content, you know, good and well that yeah. you're going to be indoctrinated. So I think what's going on, whether you got TikTok, whether you got the breakfast club, whether you have drink champs, whether you have a uh, 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 Joe Budden podcast, whatever you're listening to that, that that's an indoctrinating formula memes and all those different types of things that's indoctrinating you after a while. When you see Christianity is a white man's religion, when you see that uh, 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 we've been Christianity has done nothing historically, but raped and stole from everyone. It's mm-hmm. got, when you hear that you're bombarded by that, then what begins to happen is you begin to be desensitized from that. But part of it is spiritual, it's historical, it's theological and it's moral. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so here we find ourselves in a time where there's growing racial tension. I mean, the, all the numbers on polls say that people say that we're moving in the wrong direction, yeah. not the right direction. People have different opinions how to get to the right place. Mm-hmm. But you and I both know, we've known each other, I think, for two decades, that the gospel is going to be central to this. So what does that look like um, specifically kind of in – both the sharing of the gospel and the living out of the gospel Great community. Question. How does that work? Great. You have to invite doubt. Okay. <laughs> that's simple. Yeah. You can't, you can't say stuff like don't question God. You can't read Habakkuk and say that, right. um, you know, you can't read Job and say that even though God rebuked him, he still allowed for and can handle the question. David asked God, where is he? Right. And so, you know, I think that we have to build an environment if we're going to make disciples where we make discipleship uh, not didactic all the time, where people yeah, are you just. Can't, you can't just throw around words like that. <laughs> so you can't just you can't just have it where it's instruction going forth with yeah. no interaction. Good, good, right? good, good. And so and so I think it's I think it's important that we as Christians create an environment where people are able to ask questions. That's why you see in Acts 17 and you see um, um, Paul and Barnabas in Acts 15. You see them in Acts 14. You see them in places where they're actually sharing the gospel, where there's dialogue taking place. It's not just proclamational communication, which, again, please don't hear me speaking against preaching. No. That's not what I'm saying. Because you're a preacher, my friend. You're a preacher. I love <laughs> so, your preaching. So I'm, so I'm not saying that, but yeah. I am saying for the average Christian, they're not going to be in a pulpit. And we, we need to – we would get more evangelism done if the body was equipped in an as-you-go disposition in their entire – when they go to the grocery store, they know the person in that lane. When they go to the corner store, when they go to the beauty salon, when they go to the barbershop, those third places are where th- – those places where you choose to be – is where some of the best and rich dialogue happens. And if you and, and don't be intimidated by questions. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, say, I don't know, and I'll figure it out. But don't see your lack of knowing the answer as a failure. See it as an opportunity to help somebody. Now you know why I want to talk to Eric Mason today. You might want to talk to Eric Mason, too. 877-548-3675. We are live at Lead the City, Compassion Baptist Church. Thank you, Pastor Watson Jones. As we're sitting here in your office, we're going to continue our conversation with your calls. 877-548-3675.
Hey, we're back. We're back with uh, Eric Mason having what I expected and have seen be a great conversation. want to invite you to our conversation. We're talking about urban apologetics. Um, Eric has written that and many other books. He's the founder and senior pastor of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia. Okay, so um, cultural forces, right? There are cultural forces that are working against. I guess you've addressed some of this already, but... Um, it's a lot of African Americans um, leaving the church. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a uh, several articles. New York Times written articles, several others as well. Why do we see African Americans uh, leaving the church? And then, just so everyone knows, we're going to go to your calls right after Lily. Going to go to you next. Got other calls as well. Again, our number is eight. So I almost gave out your cell number. It's in my notes. <laughs> Eric's cell number is two. Anyway, I won't say anymore. <laughs> but uh, but our number is eight seven seven five four eight. Three, six, and five. So why, why African-Americans disconnecting from the church? Yeah, so the ones that are, there are those who are solidifying, but the yeah. ones that are, they just don't feel like the church is, I mean, of course, first off, it's spiritual. The Bible says, spirit simplicity says that in later times, people will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines and demons. That's the foundation of this apostasy, right? Um, the, the, then there's stuff that's our fault. So um, the, the church in general's fault of not branding it biblically, a bad branding, meaning we just didn't reflect Jesus well historically, and we bruised fruit. We hung, we we you know it, it, you know Jesus is greater as it that you hang a milestone around one's neck than and thrown in the sea than you lead one of my little ones astray. So I think the church at large has led little ones astray that uh, I think Jesus is not pleased with. The way that has looked is through the constant, and I say this humbly as I know how, the constant moral failure in leadership. It's heartbreaking. Um, uh, The the constant uh, really lack of repentance, not just on the justice stuff, but just anything, right? We we tend to not be a, we, we tend to justify things as leaders instead of repenting of it, which would, all of those things play a role in people's just disenchantment. And sometimes when a person's a babe and is under the influence of the enemy as well, they see Jesus through us. And when that connection isn't severed to where they can see Jesus for themselves and see us in light of Jesus, that's different. And so I think that's, that's really the biggest. And so the enemy is molesting those gaps and he's, he's molesting those gaps in order to draw people away from the faith. And it's, I mean, there's impact all over. I mean, we're in a real season of deconstruction for a lot of people. Absolutely. And I think that's um, heartbreaking. That's why I love what you've planted at Epiphany with thriving and more. Uh, let's go to Lily in Florida. Lily, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Yeah, hi, good afternoon. Um, just want to make, you know, um, say that I'm impressed with your conversation and discussion. And uh, this is the first time I'm, li- I'm here in the urban um, apologetics is usually the straightforward apologetics where they're defending the Godhead or trying to defend the gospel, so to speak. But it's interesting. So I'm wondering, how far has this message of urban apologetics been spread? Uh, is it a new name coined, or has it been around? Because for the few minutes I listened to you, it helped me to really understand racism, the social um, issues, and the the the, the, the um, the depth of what the African Americans actually experience, especially that identity issue, do they really understand what where it came from, what happened, and people are still sick, feeling that victim mentality? But if you really understand what he just said, 
about being, you know, abruptly uprooted and you don't even know whom you are. And you keep on seeking your original identity until you die. But if people could understand what he's trying to explain, I think that will go a long way to, to help everybody, not just the blacks, but mostly the blacks. You know, people, you should take this message to the streets. Thank you. Yes, to answer your original question about um, how long is urban apologetics, it's been going on a long, a long time. Um, it just wasn't named that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the AME Church in the um, 1700s through the early 1900s, that was one of the reasons why they came into existence. If you look at, there's a different dissertation out there on, but it, but it's a but it's a book they transitioned it about the history of Bishop uh, uh, Bishop Mason and the Kojic Church, and it talks a lot about Kojic is the Church of God in Christ Pentecostal denomination. Yeah, and so their influence on basically why they how this had a part of their forming. And then over the years, over and over, I mean, you got Dr. Tony Evans has done it, Carl Ellis, you had Tom Skinner, uh, 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 who else? You had John Perkins, uh, I'm missing people, uh, Walter, the guy that wrote Blacks in the Bible. You had uh, Dwight McKissick, you had Heyman Cross. So you've had a lot of people that have used that mantra, but yeah, it's really nothing new. We're just trying to give it more of a longstanding stance. I mean, you had Urshery and, and Keener write a book on, you know, a uh, 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 black religion and that type of thing. And, and so I, I think I, it's, it's been around. It's just now we're trying to get it out. Because if you look on YouTube, if you put in Christianity is a white man's religion, just put it in. Just yeah. put it in YouTube. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. and um, Wait, see how up, many. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. How much stuff comes up. And not only that, how many millions of views, hundreds of thousands of millions of views yep. that you show, which lets us know that Christians have a firm, even though it, it, it said there's a lot going on now, which I agree with them. And with that, I think he's communicating. There's a lot of opportunity as well, which I think that lets us know as well. Yep. So thanks for your question. Lily, we want you to hang on too, because Karen, our producer is going to jump on the line. We do want to give you a copy of Urban Apologetics by Dr. Eric Mason as well. Good. We're having a good conversation here. Um, you know, the, the, um, you know, what, what would you say is the gospel receptivity in urban context today. One of the things we're finding, it's, Ooh. it's a challenging among young, young white millennials uh, or young Gen Z, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're finding less receptivity rather yeah. than more. Yeah. Um, yet some places, you know, we see a Latino reformation going on yeah. and openness that's there. What's it like in the context where you are? Yeah. So this is interesting. Um, we're among college students, but, we, but that's not our hefty populace. We're really with neighborhood and middle-class blacks. Right. That's our church right, right now. Um, so, man, this is interesting. We have to prove what we're not in order to share the gospel. Now, what does that mean? Everybody has a meme of what they believe Christianity is now. Judgmental, disconnected, and uh, 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 irrelevant, and not loving. And so we have to kind of prove what kind of Christian are you, right? When we're doing loving things, it gives us common ground. And so we, we got a boxing league at our church. We have a basketball league. You got a boxing league? Yeah, we, p- so we cool. partner with the police in our community. Wow. Uh, the captain of the police and his staff. And we run a boxing league. We fund it uh, from the church with on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Wednesdays and Fridays. And so many kids come uh, to this. We bought a boxing rink and every ring and everything. And that's been heavy common ground. 
of breaking down barriers of care that gives us the ability to be able to engage people with the gospel yet. But, but yes, that that's a huge thing the receptivity is good when it's relational. When you're in cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, the boroughs of New York, these are kind of cities of neighborhoods. It's kind of, <clears throat> kind of still. And with them being kind of cities of neighborhoods still, there's almost this tribalism that transcends the pandemic transcends what's going on in the country. Like, you're not a part of us. We grew up together, so we don't know you. So you got to earn the right to say what you're there for and why you're there and what your intentions are. And that comes with time and credibility. So Makes sense. Good. Let's go to Israel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Israel, you're live in there. What's your question or your comment? Now, uh, some of the things that you uh, you say, I, I, how y'all doing? Let me think. First, first of all, how y'all doing? Happy Sabbath? Good. Um, okay. Good. I just want to say, some of the things that you said, uh, uh, the pastor, uh, it was, some of what you're saying is correct. Some of it is, you know, like for instance, you said that um, the people is there people of color in the Bible. Yes, there is. You said that uh, the people are olive color. Olive only come in two colors, black or green. So the people in the Bible can't be green, so they have to be black. All right? So then you said the Middle East, the Middle East, that Middle East term only came in, what, a few years ago? Uh, the Suez Canal. That, that they, they did that, um, I forgot exactly what year they did that, to separate Israel from Africa. But remember, how did the Israelites walk from Egypt to Africa? I mean, Israel to, to Egypt. How, how they were they able to do that? They walk. They walk. It was, that means it was, it was one landmass. The Suez Canal, if you look it up, it recently happened um, a couple years ago. Um, couple, you know, a couple thousand years ago, whatever the case may be, I forgot exactly the date. But that's what I'm saying. Now, the next thing I was saying now, right, um, you said that black people are leaving the churches. The reason why black people are leaving the churches is because we now found out we've been lied to. Yeah, so give me, some of the ways we, give me some of the ways we've been lied to. Give me some of those ways, and we'll have Eric respond. Right. What are some ways instance, blacks have been lied to? The, the, Sunday, uh, they said that the Sabbath day is Sunday. God's day, chosen day to worship him is Sunday. No, the Bible okay, says got that, Saturday. Got, got that one. I got that one. Give, give, give me another one. Give me another one. Another one. Uh, yeah. Okay, for instance, we, for instance, the churches keep all the holidays that the Bible tell you not to. Jeremiah chapter 10, that's Christmas. But the churches say that that's Christ's birthday. Now, you guys spoke about Job being crucified by just, God. Just give us, just I mean, give uh, us, just give us, give us, do me a favor, do me Job a favor, was, Israel. Mm -hmm. Just give us the bullet point. We, I understand exactly what you're saying. Just do me a favor yeah. and graciously, just give me the list. All give right, me two so, more and let me answer. All right. yep. For instance, for instance. I never know Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, the curses, the curses uh, identified us as a people who we yep. really are. Deuteronomy 28, 16. So no, we yep. don't have to, Next we, one. Yes, Next we don't one. Have to now, give me through. one more, and then we'll answer. One more, Israel. Come on. <laughs> no, you, you know everything, man. You know everything. I don't have to go to four. I'll let you go ahead now. I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. You can, All right. Israel, you know thank, I don't know, every, I don't know everything. So are so are you a black, a black Israelite? Would you identify as a well, black Israelite? Well, he wouldn't Israelite? say black. He would just say I'm Israelite. Not I'm, not Israelite. Black, I'm not a black Exactly. See, that guy knows what's going on. He knows what's going on, He knows on, what's man. going on. He knows what's going on. All right, good. He Let's give him a chance to on. respond. And you and you hold on. All We're right. going to listen now. Go, what, tell, talk us about this, Eric. So, yeah. So, so real quick, Israel, thank you for calling. Thank you for um, – I know you're passionate, but it was still gracious, man. Um, so <clears throat> Sabbath uh, – the church has never turned Sunday into the Sabbath. That's – that we call it the Lord's Day, which people tend to view it as Sabbath. Um, but no, Sunday is not the Sabbath. Uh, so yep, so that's a misnomer. So let's let's scratch that. When we talk about holidays, 
uh, holidays in relation to keeping the, the, the feast and all of those things. Jesus says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you find eternal life, but they all speak of me. One of the things I encourage my Israelite friends <clears throat> to do, and I know you'll say, well, you're an Israelite too, but um, I, I would encourage you to, I, I usually hear about the keeping of the feast, but I never care about how Christ fully fulfills them and what those feasts point to. So if you're going to do Yom Kippur, what does that point to about Jesus? Passover, what does that point to about Jesus? Uh, Feast of Booze slash Tabernacles, how does that point to Jesus? So how does Jesus fully fulfill those? And what are we supposed to now see in Christ in relation to those things? I think Colossians 2 helps us walk through some of that. When it comes to Christmas and the Ezekiel passage, uh, that is used, that's a misnomer. So that that's not prophesying about Christmas, um, nor is Romans chapter 1 either. And so we, uh, we don't say Christmas is Jesus' birthday. There's a book, I can't remember with the name of it, it's the liturgical calendar. It's about the liturgical calendar, about that. And so when we talk about those holidays, again, we go to Romans 14. We go to Colossians chapter 2. Lastly, Deuteronomy 28, um, uh, the whole chapter. Like if you go past the blessings into the curses section, <clears throat> like one of the things that I, I get concerned with my Isra uh, Israelite friends is that we tend to only see um, those curses surrounding the, the parallelisms aren't fully uh, uh, um, um, only applicable to African Americans um, is you got to also uh, engage Israeli people with it. When you look at people with commerce coming into their country, that happens globally. That happens in the in in every hemisphere. And so I think one of the things that I, I it's a bit disappointing sometimes is there's not enough broader global history that's understood to be able to link those curses to curses were never used to identify a person's ethnicity curses were used to call people back to god and so again those aren't prophetic identifiers that was calling israel back now that christ is that now that's been fulfilled you see that being fulfilled in ezra chapter one uh you see that fulfilled in isaiah 14 you see those th that's already been fulfilled so yeah so hopefully that's helpful um, I forgot the first thing that you said, but that's best basically what I wanted to answer. And again, thanks for being on the call with us, man. Yeah, it was super, super. And Israel, thank you. And if you'll stay in the line, too, if you'll take it, we'd love to give you a copy of the book, Urban Apologetics. And uh, Karen will jump on the line with you as well. Uh, fascinating conversation and real helpful. And this is the kind of stuff the book addresses. So I yeah. would encourage you to uh, get a copy of, um, of uh, well, specifically, we're talking about Urban Apologetics here with Eric Mason. We're going to take... Uh, a couple more calls when we come back. Let me remind you that you can call us, 877-548-3675. We're talking urban apologetics with Dr. Eric Mason. Your calls when we're back. Hey, we're back. Uh, Ed Stetzer live talking to Eric Mason. Yes. And uh, Urban Apologetics, the subtitle is Restoring Black Dignity with the Gospel. And this has been a season when a lot of people are having a lot of conversations about what it looks like to, you know, how do we walk through some of these issues of um, racial injustice and more? So how does the gospel, because again, you, you brought the title, Restoring Black Dignity with the Gospel. Yeah. How does that, I mean, because again, we want to, even in a secular culture, we, we think that People should be treated with dignity and respect because they're made in the image mm -hmm. of God. But mm -hmm. how does the gospel relate to that? Very important point. <clears throat> so um, Jesus said he came to make all things new. And um, I'm, one of my mentors used to say, all means all, and that's what all means. Uh, I understand what he means by that. It doesn't always mean all, but I understand what he meant. <laughs> that's a Calvinism reference. Right, right. right exactly. Or a not Calvinism Right, reference. right, right. <laughs> so, um, but... <clears throat> um, 
so when you look at the idea of the gospel is for the whole person justification by faith in Christ saves our soul. And yet God created ethnicities. He created you as a white man. He created me as a black man. When I get new bodies, when we get new bodies, we're not going to be, we're not going to physically look like Jesus Christ. Because yeah. it actually says men and women of every tongue, tribe, and nation. Absolutely. So they look different. Revelation yeah. 7. Yep. And so that means that God is going to redeem and restore even my body. Hopefully he, he, he gave me some, he, he jacked me up a little bit with some, <laughs> I got, I got some, I got some hopes in that way. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, all of us are going to be our ethnic selves in eternity and speaking our own language. And so I, I, I believe that the gospel restores all of that. And if we utilize the eschaton or the future, if you will, Thank you. as a way, <laughs> as a way to uh, have implications for how we do church now, how we do missiology now, why wouldn't we value restoring the ethnic value of people since the gospel will do it as well. And so I believe the best humans should be Christians. Mm. I love that. I love that. Period. I, but, period. But no matter what color. But that doesn't what, that's not often what it looks like. I know, Sometimes but... we get hyper-religious people, critical, <laughs> judgmental. Yes. We see that in uh, in all churches. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. So, okay, so if I if I really want to walk down the road and learn how to engage urban apologetics, which is, you know, sharing the gospel, evidences and defenses of the mm-hmm. faith in an urban context, I want to, and again, I want to commend urban apologetics by Eric Mason. I want you to pick that up. But what would that look like for me to begin to engage my neighbor or that skeptical, skeptical college student or whatever? Okay. You're sitting in a barbershop. Yep. You ever been to the black barbershop? Yeah. I have actually one time. One, one time. time. It was fascinating. <laughs> Whole different cultural context yes. in my experience. Yeah, it is because I go to a stylist, not yeah, a black barbershop. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, in a black barbershop. Yeah, I do. I do want to point out that you are a bald man, so I I'm know. not sure. Hey, so you I still, still got my beard. You, okay, you go but, in. There. But I can get this. It still can grow. But okay. it's a patch right now. <laughs> <there. laughs> I got gotcha. <laughs> Um When you're in a barbershop, it black barbershop. It is what it is. You see on TV. It's that. Yeah. Like you saw coming to America, you saw barbershop with uh, 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 Ice Cube. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I don't go to movies. But you don't go to movies. Is, I know. The point is, you've seen or, the. Or you, you go to. Or you go to the, 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 the Dobson's website and find out what's it's, good. There you, there. Go. there you go. There you go. But um, in there you're gonna you're gonna hear the greatest ideas, the greatest arguments, the stupidest stuff, and the smartest stuff yeah, all at the same time. And when you're sitting in there, uh, you know, a guy began telling me, "Hey, man, the Bible was changed by white people," hmm. and I say, "Who?" When, mm-hmm. where, many times, let me just start with this. The, the burden on, of evidence is on them, mm-hmm. not us. So I, I asked the guy in the middle of the barbershop, I said, where has the Bible been changed? He's cut my son's hair. And he's looking at me. I said, just show me where I'll open my Bible now. Just show me where it's been changed. Yeah. He said, well, it was changed over here because Shakespeare wrote his name in Psalm 23. I don't know if you ever heard that one. And in the King James Version, if you point down to when he was 20 something years old, you go down and you point and it's a 20, you count down, they say shake and, you, and then sphere. And I said, well, the only way that that works is if you understand the original language. What's the original? I said, Hebrew, Hebrew, Greek. You know, Aramaic. And I said, these that was Bible's written in. I said, the Bible has to be changed in the original language and not in the English in order for the Bible to be changed. And so he didn't even think about that. And he was like, wow, wow. And so when you're in these interactions, it wasn't to beat him up. It was loving and it wasn't to, oh, shut up, you know. But in those conversations, one of the ways in which I 
lead a lot of times, particularly in urban apologetics, is showing that, man, don't let your response to white supremacy be a response to white supremacy. Mm. What do I mean by that? I said the fact that you believe that the Bible was written by white people means you're influenced by white supremacy. Mm. I said if you if you do real historical research, it's impossible to even ever even say that it was led by, influenced by white people. And so sometimes I'm calling out the inherent racial bias in their resistance to Christianity. Fascinating. The book is Urban Apologetics, Restoring Black Dignity with the Gospel. My guest has been Dr. Eric Mason. Let me remind you as well, you can subscribe to the podcast, listen to this on a regular basis. Let me thank my team behind the scenes, my producer, Karen Hender, and engineer, Courtney Young, Claire Seagard, working the phones. Tune in next week. I'm going to sit down with Pastor Chris Hodges. We're going to talk about increase in reports of depression, anxiety, and more. We'll walk through some of that together. Here at today's program, again, go to edstetzerlive.org or the Moody Radio app. And thanks for listening to Ed Stetzer Live. It's a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.